Wow, awesome. I just love the presence. I just love the meeting. I love the worship. just love it so much. Thank you so much, team, and all that have helped make it just a great experience. Well, we've been sharing on prayer, on the Lord's Prayer specifically, and uh, we find that in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus, when he came into the temple, the house of God, uh, was very concerned what he saw, and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer of all nations. So one of the primary things that you and I should be known for is that we are people of prayer. Yet that's the challenge. We don't find prayer easy. And we don't find it easy, one, because we often don't know what to do or how to pray, have no structure to it. And secondly, because somehow in our heart we feel that perhaps God won't answer my prayer, that this is just a waste of time. There is a contention in this area. So if you want to see God's power and presence make a difference in your life, prayer is a vital part of that. So let's read in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus said in verse, uh, uh, verse 8, uh, no, we'll pick it up in verse 9. In verse 9, and in this manner, therefore, this is how you pray. So Jesus laid out not just a prayer to pray, although I've been in churches and they pray this prayer every week, but it's more than just a prayer to pray, but it's actually a whole form or whole structure that we can put to building a prayer life. It's not the only way to pray, and Jesus prayed at other times differently, so did other people. But he said, this is how to pray. So it's a great pattern prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So Jesus outlines as God's family representatives how we can pray. We're his family, born into his family. We receive Jesus Christ. Then the Spirit of God enters us, and we can come. And Jesus said, then this is how we need to pray. Pray, our Father. And so as we start to pray, we realize we're not the only one here. Our means that there's a whole family we belong to. Everyone here who knows Christ, we all have the same Father. He's interested in the welfare of every person here. So when the person next to you pray, they're praying to the same Father. So we're reminded that we're part of a family. And no matter where we are, we can come and God is our Father. So when we call God Father, we're reminded one He's very loving and near and kind and interested in our welfare, yet he also deserves our respect. He says, our Father in heaven. As we begin to pray that, we become conscious, uh, one, that God is vast. He fills all of the physical and spiritual universe, yet he's very near. So we're reminded how vast he is, and we have an awe of him, yet how close and loving He is. We saw how Jesus taught to pray, Your kingdom come. He talked about the kingdom that is to come, and yet a kingdom near us that God wants to bring into existence. That kingdom's full of joy and peace, provision, healings, miracles. But that, that kingdom does not come into existence in the earth without our cooperation. So we notice as we're looking at this prayer that the first three requests in the prayer 
are all centered around God and His interests. And Jesus is instructing us, when you pray, start off by making God the center of your attention in prayer. Your name, your kingdom, your will. And so we're going to look at this last part here. We're going to pray or teach about your will be done. Now, it's not just a matter of saying, well, Father, let your will be done today. There's quite a bit more to it than that, of course. So I want to share a little bit about this. First, I want to share really three things about this. Number one, God has a will that can be known. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And there are ways we can know that will and be very clear so when you pray, you know exactly what to pray. Secondly, God desires we participate in that will, that we be a sharer with Him in that will coming into the earth. And thirdly, the third thing is then, is that we have the freedom and it's our responsibility to choose to make God's will a foundation for our life. You'll find, as we talk about this, the thing to recognize is the core conflict in the world and in the universe is whose will will be done. Who will have the final say? Now, marriages, there's sometimes difficulty. Who has the final say? The one with the final say? Well, that's what ends up being done. So, in a very real way, the conflict of the universe is who gets the final say? So, in your life, a good question to ask is, who gets the final say in my life when it comes to decisions I make? Who has the final say? Is it my will? Is it someone else's will? Or is it the will of God for my life? And this is an area we need to, when you settle this in your heart, it will make many decisions incredibly easy to make. I, I noticed that a lot of Christians struggle in decision making. And I believe there's a very simple reason why they struggle in decision making. It's because they haven't settled a core issue underneath. And when you settle this core into a, a, underneath, you'll have a filter for every decision. Makes them easier. Some decisions I don't even have to pray about because I know exactly what needs to happen. Others... I have to spend time in prayer. So let's go and look at this. The first thing I want to look at is Jesus instructs us to pray, your will be done. And that word will has these meanings. It means this. It means intention, God's intention, God's choice, God's determination, God's purpose, God's desire, God's pleasure. So as we pray, your will be done, we're talking to a person. And this person is not some vague form. This person has a will for our life. In fact, God has a will for all of creation, every aspect of life. God has something that is His choice for it. It's His first choice for it. It's His desire for it. When it's done, it brings Him immense pleasure. God has a will. He has a design for all of creation, for our daily life, for our relationships. God has a will. He has something He has thought about. He has, or put it another way, God has an opinion. Now, I notice everywhere we go, everyone's got an opinion. But whose opinion rules? God has an opinion. He has an opinion about the relationships you have. He has an opinion about friendships. He has an opinion about finances and debt. He has an opinion about the school you go to. He has an opinion about the courses you choose. He has an opinion about the work you go to. 
He has an opinion about the direction of your life. He has an opinion about who you marry. He has an opinion about your children and how to raise them. Now, the world is full of opinions. It comes back to the key thing, whose opinion will rule? And we all have our opinion. You get a number of people, you get two people immediately, you got two opinions. You get a whole bunch full of people, now we've got a whole heap of opinions. But the core thing that we're looking for, first of all, is God, what is your opinion? So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are acknowledging that God has an opinion. He has something He has designed for our best. God's opinion, God's will, God's purpose, God's decisions, God's direction is the best for our life. Why? He says, because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I think at a different level. You only think at this low level. You're thinking about the immediate things that I can get. I'm thinking about lifelong purpose. I'm thinking about the legacy you'll leave. I'm thinking about building a healthy life. I'm, building, I'm thinking about success in your life. I'm thinking higher than you are. And I'm thinking about your influence in the community and what that would be. I'm thinking far higher than you think. So you need to tune into my opinion rather than have your opinion. If I'd followed my opinion and my will, I'd never be here doing these things. You understand that God has an opinion. He has a good reason for having some opinions too. He has a will. So in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, Now I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not evil, that you might have a future and a hope. Now notice that word, he said, I know the thoughts. That word thoughts is the word not just I'm thinking about you, it's actually purpose, intention, plan, will. I know what I have planned for your life and the thing I planned will bring peace in your life and it'll cause you to look forward to your future and it'll have a great future and a great hope. So we should desire that to come into being. It's not automatic that it comes. Think about this, that when we think about the will of God, we see that God's will reveals His character. In other words, if you see what people choose, you see what the person's like. A person keeps choosing badly, you know that they're foolish inside. A person keeps choosing to lie, you know something about their character. They're untrustworthy. Uh, a person keeps choosing to rip others off in business deals, you know that they, that they lack integrity. So if you watch a person making lots of decisions, after a while you know the character. So a person can be known by the decisions they make. So God's plans for our life reveal His character. That's what He says, my plans are for peace. I want to bless your life and benefit your life. If we believe that, we would wholeheartedly want to pursue that will. It's because we get deceived to think something is a better plan. That's what happened with Eve. She thought... She was, uh, uh, the devil sowed into her mind a, a different plan that seemed good. So if you think of all the goofy things you did in life, the mistakes you made, before you did them, they seemed good. It seemed good to drink a lot, and then the next day, the hangover. It seemed good to be the life of the party, and then the next day, the regrets. And so you look at your life, you see there's many things seemed good but they ended up with poor consequences. We have a tendency to follow what seems good. 
in Proverbs it said, there is a way that seems good to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In other words, they're saying, there is a way we think, and that is, what's in this for me? What do I get out of it? And the end, a multitude of ways of failing and having problems in our life. So God's desires are not restrictive. They are to bring freedom and blessing to us. Psalm 139, verse 16, uh, it says, In your book they were all written the days you prepared for me. So God has planned great things for your life. You're not born in here by accident. You're not born in here to do nothing, to fritter away your life. You're born because God had a design and a plan, but you need to discover what it is. And the will of God is the plan, the intention, the desire, the things that brings God pleasure when you discover it and fulfill it. So God has a will for every area of our life. There's no area that is exempt from that. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. And some people say, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, look up will of God in the concordance, and you'll find at least four or five different things where it said this is the will of God. So you don't have to pray about it because it's written. It's already there. So let's read in Ephesians chapter 5, the will of God. So God has a will for every area of our life. Think about the areas of your life where you're making decisions. God has something to say about it. He has an opinion. So get this. When you acknowledge God's will and opinion, you're acknowledging Him. But when you reject God's opinion and will, you are rejecting Him. When you discount God's opinion on a matter, you're discounting Him. When you think that God's opinion on a matter doesn't really count, you're saying, actually, God doesn't really count. So notice that in the prayer, we're praying, God, let your name be honored. Now it's about the choices I make as well. Let you be honored in the choices I make. So God has an opinion. So in Ephesians 5, 17, this is what it says. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. So it's talking about our Christian life, and it's saying, don't be unwise, and that word there means literally to be a mindless, ignorant, stupid, egotistical, rash, unbelieving person. Nicely put, be un- don't be unwise. But I looked up the meaning of it, and I thought, oh, all those meanings, oh my goodness, put them all together. And he's saying virtually something like this. Let me read it again. Don't be a mindless, ignorant, stupid, egotistical, rash, unbelieving person. There's a lot of those around, have you noticed? They seem to abound. And it says, don't be unwise. In other words, that means literally without a mind, without a heart for God. But be rather be understanding what the will of God is. That word to understand means to comprehend and come into agreement with God's plan. That's saying, don't be stupid. Don't make stupid mistakes that wreck your life and wreck your destiny and affect your family and affect the next generation. It said, rather seek to discover what God has for you and align yourself with it. It'll bring blessing to you. See, it's, and then he goes on, he talks about all kinds of things. Don't be drunk with wine. He said, very easy to go away and fill up with wine and get drunk. But he said, it's much better if you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't wake up with a headache. But it's easier to buy a bottle of wine than to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why people buy the wine. To them, it feels like that's a good choice. Much better to be full of the Holy Ghost. So, so we see that, that God has a will. 
and we see that God's will encompasses every area of our life, it's our responsibility to discover it. And, you know, that's a whole topic of its own. But let's just give me two simple things. Number one, if you want to know what God wants for your life, read the Bible. This is really hard and deep, isn't it? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Every day, read the Bible. When you want decisions and directions in your life, go to the Bible. Because God has written His intention in the Bible. Oh, it's so hard. No, it isn't hard. It's only hard when you've got a wrong attitude. If you go saying, Holy Ghost, I'm needing direction. Lead me into the Scriptures. That will give me insight to what to do. 2 Timothy 3 verse 15. Now the Word of God... The Scripture is inspired by the Holy Ghost so that it might be productive or fruitful for you to correct you and adjust you and teach you and, 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 and warn you so the man of God can be complete for every good work. So the Bible's very clear. Read the Bible. Read the Word of God. We have more access to the Word of God than any generation. You got it on your phone. But the reading of it's the problem. We need to read it, and read it not with, ha, 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 no, read it with God, speak to me so I can respond to you and do what you say. In other words, we read the Bible with the intent of doing what God wants us to do. We read the Bible with the intent of discovering how to do life. And the book of Proverbs is full of insights on how to do life. The, the, the New Testament, full of teachings on how to do life, on attitudes. Like for example, you know, servants, it said, whatever you do, do heartily unto the Lord, not unto man. In Ephesians 6, it says, servants, whatever you do, he says, do it unto the Lord, not as trying to please people, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of inheritance. So Colossians 3 and Ephesians 6 tell us, you want to do the will of God? Do a good job at work. What well, seems a bit practical? Well, you'll find almost everything that the Bible instructs is incredibly practical. It tells husbands, husbands, in case you couldn't get that, it actually identifies who it's talking to. Husbands. You see the word husbands? If you're married, that's you. What does it say after that? Do it. I don't know how to do it. No, it's not the problem. You don't want to do it. You have another plan. I have my will. What I will do. Says husbands, love your wives. Remember having a group of men and they all got to read Ephesians 5 and come back with a report what they saw in, in there, what they discovered, what God was speaking to them about. And they all came back with this verse. Wives, submit to your husband. I said, what? The first word is wives. This is, this is irrelevant to you. It's none of your business. Don't, don't, not, it's got nothing to do with you. It's talking to someone else. So why are you taking notice of God talking to your wife when what you should be taking notice of is God talking to you? You have a better plan than God to tell your wife what to do. God wants you to do what he wants you to do. Now, the Bible is full of that. Encourage one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but encourage one another daily. While well, it's called today, let's any be harmed through the sleepiness of sin. You don't have to pray about many things. 
Jesus came and gathered every weekend. He gathered at the synagogue. It was his custom. He didn't pray, I wonder if I should go this weekend. I don't know. It was his custom. How did they know where to find him when they came to get him? It was his habit to be in the garden praying. In other words, he built his life around the Word of God. He said in Matthew chapters, uh, in John chapter 6, I think verse 38, it says, it's, it, Jesus said this, he said, The Son of Man has come not to do his own will. I haven't come here to do my thing. I have been sent by the Father to accomplish his will. Now, have a think about this. When it got to the garden and Jesus starts to think about crosses and whippings and crowns and nails. I don't know, if you ever had a nail in your mind, that's very painful. You start to think about that too much, you would break out in a sweat, wouldn't you? Imagine if Jesus had not done the will of God, where we would be left without a hope. The will of God always is superior to our will, even if it doesn't seem like it at the time when you're doing it. With God, you seem to have to pay the price up front, then you reap the harvest down the line. With the world, it says, hey, have it now, you can pay later, don't worry, mate. Now, don't ask about the interest. <laughs> I don't want you to know about that. But the, the world's way is just have it all now and you pay later. God's way is you pay up front. That's why if you're a young person, make a decision while you're young to honor God, discover his will, and serve him because years later you look back on all your mates and you'll see how you have been blessed and have prospered in comparison to all of them. I can tell you firsthand from testimony that the decisions made to serve God when you're younger may seem difficult and may not seem as though they're a smart thing to do. In fact, a lot of people say that was a stupid thing to do. But over the long term, they proved not to be so stupid. So maybe you look a bit stupid at the start when you're doing what God says to do, like honor your parents. That's not, what's hard about that? What is the will of God for a young person? Honor and respect your parents and do it in a very practical way. And what will happen? Life will go well for you. See, there's many promises with these things. So, look, the point of this is that the Word of God contains instruction everywhere on how to do life. you just got to get into it, read it, and learn on it. And we need to make the Word of God. And, and of course, when it comes to praying, of course, you want to be praying the Word of God. And the second way that we can discover this, of course, is the Spirit of God. In Philippians 2.13, for God works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So the Spirit of God will prompt you what is God's will on specific things. Only when you've come to the place when you've yielded your will. So the Spirit of God wants to prompt us and teach us so we can position ourselves to hear, so we can read the Word and get some instruction. The Spirit of God can speak to us, and sometimes we need to get the counsel of others. There's always wisdom in the counsel of others. So, we are responsible then to choose what God wants. He's not going to make you choose. In fact, one of the greatest gifts He's given you is He gave you a free will. You can choose what you want. But what you can't choose are the consequences. You can choose what you want, but you can't choose what will happen as a result of that. Once you've made your choice, the consequences are there. You jump off the top of the building, you have the freedom to make that jump, but not the freedom over what happens to you. You go run yourself into debt, you have freedom to run yourself in debt, 
but not over the bondage it brings afterwards. So in every area of life, we have freedom to make choices. It's a gift of God. Now, when it says in Matthew 6.10, pray, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Firstly, to realize it's not a passive resignation. It's not, because when I was raised up, how well it was meant to be. You ever hear that statement? It was meant to be. Talk about passive and full of unbelief and religiosity. It was meant to be. Something that was just meant to be. Oh, well, it must have been God's will. Well, how do you know that? Unless you read the Word. Or, well, whatever will be, will be. That's just how it is. You know, life is just like that. And a lot of people live their life like that, which is basically passive and no faith. The will of God is something that we need to recognize. There is a struggle for God's will to be manifest in your life. It is not automatic that what God wants will come into being. You have to understand, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's this and this, and they end up becoming lulled into passivity. Listen, there are so many things in the Bible that tell the very clear will of God. There are two things oppose that will. Number one, spirit powers oppose God's will for your life. So no matter what God has decreed for you, no matter what God has planned for you, it is opposed by wicked spirits. You have a conflict, and it can only be beat, you can only win in that conflict through strong prayer. In Daniel chapter 10, he prayed, God released an answer, and it was blocked for 10 days by demonic spirits. That teaches us very clearly that even if you have prayed and asked God and He's released something to you, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll receive it. There may be persistence and perseverance needed in regard to the will of God over your life. Sometimes there's a contending for this to manifest. So, persevering prayer is needed to bring what God has planned for my life into being. If you are a passive person, you can guarantee most of the great things God planned for you will not manifest. They're there, but they don't come into being in the earth because no one stood in prayer. Father, your will be done. Let your will come into being in my life. Let the things you purpose for me Come into being in my life. Someone is instructed, we're instructed by Jesus, pray for that will to be done. And that automatically means, he's saying, it won't necessarily happen unless you pray. Think about that. Second block to it happening is basically the flesh. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have our own will. And willfulness is a big problem. We won't go into it, but it, it manifests in many ways. One of the manifests is, you notice how angry people get when they don't get their way? Ever seen little kids throwing tantrums? Big ones throw them too. And that is an, that's an exercise of my will over everyone else's will. It's a temper tantrum. Uh, people manipulate others to get their will. Uh, people uh, uh, resist any feedback. That's because they have their own will. They don't want anyone to challenge them, check them, or speak into them. People uh, resist feedback. People refuse to acknowledge failure and apologize because they're willful. These are manifestations of pride. My will. My will. My will. Lord, I love you, but my will. Lord, I'm praying for you to bless my will. Lord, I have made my plans, now bless my plans. 
Yet this abounds everywhere. It's called willfulness. And people get frustrated because God doesn't respond. You can't tell Him what is the best plan for your life. I'm telling God what's the best plan for your life. I've made all my plans, now you bless them. What? Hello? You need a checkup here. Who is in charge? I see the plan you've made, and I had a little look at the plan, and here's your plan. It's a little wee plan of a small-minded person. I have a bigger plan, more generous, more abundant, more loving, more inclusive. I don't think I'll bless your plan. It's too mean and miserly. It seems to be just around you. The plan I've got is a much bigger one. It encompasses communities of people. It encompasses influencing the neighborhood. It encompasses other people. It's no wonder churches are small because small-minded people. Spirit powers resisting and people becoming small-minded. We need to expand it and let God help us have a vision for His plan, His purpose, His things to come. Amen? Oh, you all got so quiet. So there's a contention, and you must choose to choose. I want what my Father wants for me. In the, in the garden, Matthew 26, Jesus prayed, Oh, wow, this is terrible what's coming up. But Father, not my will, but your will. I call your will into being, and I lay down my will. There are challenges to that, because often people come along and say, you shouldn't do that, you know. Don't do that. You know, even Peter came alongside Jesus and said, oh, Jesus, hey, don't talk about crosses and things like that. We're having a great time here. I don't want you to talk about the cross. Listen, look after yourself and take care for yourself. You know, the Father really wants to bless you. We're having great miracles here. You wouldn't want to spoil that with a crucifixion. Peter spoke those words to Jesus, Matthew 16. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He saw that this willful, self-preserving, Thinking came from the demonic realm. Yet it's church is full of it. Oh, oh, no, 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 it doesn't really suit me. I feel a bit tired. You wonder why life is so so weak. So God desires us to choose his will in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. When you place, this is a scripture that's precious to us. Maybe I'll do a series on it sometime. Very powerful. When you place God's kingdom first, then what happens is it acts as a filter for everything you decide. Because you start to, every time a decision comes up, does that line up or not line up? If it doesn't line up, then the answer is no. So some people, for example, have got to decide, should I go to church this week? I never have to make that decision. Because I made a deeper one. When you make a deeper one, God knows what's best, and I want what is best. I'm aligned with His will. Today, Father, I pray for that will to manifest. There's a lot of things you never have to even pray about, think about. You know the answer straight away because it's not aligned with the will of God that's revealed in the Word and revealed by His Spirit to you. So we're praying, Father, your will be done. And Jesus made some promises. He said, if you keep my commandments, then you will experience my love. We will manifest ourselves in your life. He said also that you can do lots of things with the gifts of the Spirit, but still 
the one who enters the kingdom is the one who does the will of the Father, which is about intimacy. So he's saying virtually, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how much you may bless your life and your ministry, what is the core issue is discovering what the Father called you to be and do and fulfilling that. Very powerful. So when we pray, Father, your will be done, it implies you're going to do something. It's not like kind of, I'm going to pray this, oh, Father, there's all these problems around here. Let your will be done. No, no, no. It actually starts with you. Like we say, we pray, hallowed be your name. Actually, it starts with you. Will you, will you live a life that honors the name of God? Your kingdom come. Will you live in such a way that the kingdom of God and the order of God and His rule is manifest in your life? When you pray, your will be done, then it involves certain things. One, God actually has a will and a plan for my life. Two, I'm committed to discover it. Three, when I discover it, I'm committed to surrender to it. And four, then I'm committed to do it and delight in it. I think the surrendering is the core of it. God will make His will known in so many different ways, but surrendering is a core. And so it says in Romans 12, because God has done all these wonderful things for us, therefore present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable thing for you to do in light of what He's done for you. And don't be conformed to the way the world thinks about money, finances, marriage, children, and every other thing, but rather be totally changed by letting your mind be renewed by the Word of God so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what I do that helps me in this area is I spend quite some time, at least half of the prayer time, just in worship honoring and blessing God loving Him Father Father in Heaven and then when it comes to praying your will be done I found one of the important things to do is to surrender Father today I surrender to You You have many wonderful things planned to accomplish in me and through me today and so, Father, I surrender to you. I surrender spirit, soul, and body. I yield all the faculties of my spirit to you. Lord, I ask you to open the eyes of my inner man that I would see what my Father is doing. And Lord, I purpose to do it. I ask today you would open my ears to hear your voice clearly. And I purpose to do it. Give me a hearing heart today. Lord, I yield my eyes. Lord, I ask that you would anoint my eyes to see what you see, to see people as you see them. Anoint my ears to hear people, the cry of their heart and understand them. Anoint my lips to speak words that would bless people. Your word declares, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but rather that which is good to the use and edifying, that it might impart grace to the hearers. Today I yield my lips to impart grace to people. 
I yield my affections. Lord, I surrender and set my affection upon you. Pleasing you is all that matters. I yield my will. Lord, so often I have my own mind and will and have my own way. But Lord, today I surrender before the day starts. Father, I call your will into being. So you can go through each and every part of your life, your hands, your feet, physical body, spirit, soul, and body surrendering. That's one part of the will of God. Another part is beginning to pray Scripture over your life. Because as we pray the Word of God, we are calling God's revealed will into being. Father, today, I thank you the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me mightily and powerfully to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and so on. I thank you today I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I thank you today I give thanks in everything because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. And so we begin to pray God's word over our life. Father, today I decree blessing. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done upon my life. I call into being the things you promised. I call into being the things that you have planned for my life. Today I speak over my day. I order my day according to the will of God. I command every part of my day to come into alignment with heaven, to come into alignment with the will of God. I stand against every assignment of the enemy that would come to defeat, frustrate, or block the will of God. And I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I declare no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rise against me in judgment, I cancel it. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done in my life. I call into being the promises of God. I call into being your perfect will. I delight to do your will, O God. So it doesn't take much to get into prayer. You understand, you notice now that I didn't have a script to follow. I'm just locking in around an aspect of prayer. So the whole of the Lord's Prayer has got different aspects. If you memorize the prayer, then just take one part and then focus on praying that part until you've got nothing left in you to pray, then go and do another part. Now you won't have much trouble filling up an hour of prayer. 